today, being transformed. And it's based on Romans 12, and especially Romans 12, 1 to 2. Transformation, it should be something normal in the Christian life, shouldn't it? I, um, I thought on the issue of transformation during the week when my daughter Deborah sent me a photo of her. Uh, she's just a week or two away from giving birth. And I saw the transformation of Deborah from being a very slim young woman <laughs> to being quite pregnant. And I know from experience, because I have five children and ten grandchildren, that the way it should go is that the child that she gives birth to will grow up. And that child will be transformed into something remarkably different. And just as we honour and have joy about a young child, I think there's also a place to have joy about how people grow into adults as well. But it's the same in faith, isn't it? That we don't just stay with where we were at the very beginning. Just as you and I would be very unhappy if the 30-year-old child threw a tantrum every time they didn't get what they wanted, nevertheless, we, we, we would also be unhappy uh, if someone was not really growing up spiritually as well. I think also of a, a fellow by the name of um, David uh, that came to a group that I used to run. And it was a, a church that I'd started and we were still in the early days. And David came along, give, gave his heart to the Lord and he was a lovely young man but he'd been through some stuff and he actually looked very dark. Uh, I, I can't quite express to you how he looked, but it was, it was darkness. And he joined my group, and after a while I could see how wonderfully it was that he was reading his Bible and beginning to memorise things, and I could see this growth in him. Unfortunately, at the stage uh, this happened, I was going through a stage myself where I wasn't dressing extremely well. <laughs> I was fairly fairly shabby and had a, a, a red shirt that wasn't very good on the eyesight, you know. <laughs> and this young man, eager to grow, started to copy the way that I looked as well as the things that he was learning in the Bible. And I had to say to him, I appreciate the fact that you want to grow and I can see that you look to me as a model but don't copy this, <laughs> because I had to grow up as well. I had to do better on that front. But it was wonderful to see him growing as a Christian. And, and as he read the Bible, and as he matured in the faith, he actually changed physically. I kid you not, he changed physically. And this young man that I'd first met, who was so dark in the way he looked, seemed to physically change, to be healed, to have a better attitude, and 
to glow, dare I say, to glow. Excuse me a moment. And how wonderful it was to see that growth. We are to be transformed. And the second part of, uh, of Romans 12, 1 to 2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And what is his will? It says, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I believe that if you and I, even as mature Christians, allow ourselves to continue on the path of transformation, that you and I will also leave behind the darkness, leave behind the things that have broken us, leave behind the things that have damaged us, and that we will in time, if not already, shine. I think that people who knew you years ago will look at you now as a Christian and say, I think you changed. I can see that you've changed. It's not just a matter of getting a few years older, but you have changed. And this remarkable change can only happen, really, by the power of God and us being willing to let God work in us. The context is that Paul had just finished talking at the end of Romans 11 about the mind of God. And he will go on to say that we need to understand who we are in the body of Christ, that is the church. To turn away from the selfish life and understand that everyone, everyone is gifted in various ways by God and that the ultimate goal is love. Back in Romans 11, Paul says, verses 33 to 36, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out! Who has known the mind of God? Or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Some Bibles refer to this section as a doxology. And literally, doxa, doxa means glory. And the second part of the word logia means saying. So it's a glory saying. Another way of looking at it is this is a short hymn. You see, Paul is so swept up in a hymn of praise as he is thinking about this mind of God, this wonderful mind of God. And it's natural that he should then turn to the state of our minds. And as he worships God, he turns to how we should renew our minds through the leading uh, of God. And as we consider this portion of scriptures, several questions spring out in my thinking. The first is, what does it mean to be transformed? What does it mean? And what is the goal of transformation? And thirdly, 
what should motivate us to undergo this transformation? And lastly, what does one do to experience transformation? Let's have a look at them in order. First, looking at the definition of transformation. As was said earlier, the New Testament Greek word for transformation is metamorpho, literally metamorphosis. And it means to change from one form into another. And that's why we often get the pictures of the butterflies as we think about the chrysalis growing and the butterfly coming out. It's a micro picture of metamorphosis. In the New Testament, it's used to describe what happened to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, 1 to 2. And also what should happen to us as Christians as we know God more and serve him well, again in Romans 12. And Paul is encouraging Christians to undergo a complete change, which under the power of God will result in change of character and change of conduct. And I know many of you, as you think back on your lives, will realize that how you behave and how you think and your conduct, whether you're in front of people that you know or not, has changed. And it's changed because you've been transformed. And you've been transformed because you've allowed God to come into your life and do that work. So we are to be proactive in this process, but the process is achieved by God's power, not ours. Rather, it is submitting wholeheartedly to God that we are changed into another form and we become, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, a new creation. Isn't it wonderful that the process of change in our lives that God brings is so great that we can actually be described as a new creation. We are recreated. Secondly, let's look at the goal of transformation. Why do we do it? Why do we want to do it? Well, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that it is to become essentially like Christ. He says this uh, is predestined by God in Romans 8.29, and it's the purpose of being a disciple. Why are we a disciple? We are a disciple to be changed and become like our teacher Jesus, Luke 6.40. Uh, and it is the goal of the Christian life, Colossians 3, 9 to 10. And as well as becoming like Christ, this involves living like Christ. That is, if we are changed inwardly, then it's going to show, as I said, in our behavior. I know when I look at my life, that it's not the same as it was many years ago. And the credit goes to God. We will present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is what Jesus did in Hebrews 10, 5. And this is what we also do, as alluded to in Romans 12, 1. The Bible tells us that by doing this, we prove that God's will is good. 
in a sense, by doing this, by allowing him to work through us, we display that God is good. Because people will look at our lives and know that you couldn't possibly do that by yourself. I know who you are. I know who you were in those days. But they will look at it and see that you're transformed. And somehow they will understand that God has been at work in you. If you're like me, you'll probably wonder why some Christians, however, never seem to experience as much transformation as I think God would love them to have. It could be said that they stay caterpillars rather than becoming butterflies. Do they lack motivation, perhaps? Is that the reason? So let's look at motivation. What motivation do you have for being, tra uh, being transformed? What motivation do I have? Well, here are some thoughts. The fact that God is merciful to us is a motivation. The fact that when we've given our lives to Jesus Christ, we actually love God. We love him. That's a motivation. On the mercies of God. Throughout the books of Romans, Paul mentions the mercies of God as reasons to be motivated. There's freedom from sin in Romans 6, 16 to 18. The gift of eternal life itself, Romans 6, 23. Peace with God, Romans 5, 1. Isn't that great? We don't have to fear that the roof is going to fall in us, on us anymore. We don't have to fear that God is somehow an angry father who's going to beat us up. Because God is not like that. And we begin to experience that God is not like that. And in that peace and in that reassurance, we access the grace of God, Romans 5.2. And the fact that we have been saved from the the wrath, the anger of God, as it says in Romans 5, 9. Paul urges his audience, not, his, this is his words, not to show contempt towards God's kindness, forbearance, and patience. And just as God was kind and forbearing and patient to Paul, and just as God was kind and forbearing and patient with the early church, so God is kind and forbearing and patient with you and me as well. And so taking the words of Paul, we should not show contempt for that. We should accept it as it is from God. Not saying, God, I'm not worthy of that. Or, God, it's too hard. Or, I devalue that. No, let's turn to God and recognize that God wants change and he will do it if we allow him. And he is all these things towards us. We need to appreciate that God has done what God has done for us. Romans 2, 4 to 5. We should repent and we should seek transformation. And if we are stuck for some reason, we should repent and seek transformation. What do you do when you're stuck? You repent. Yes, I'm saved. I, I, I will see God in eternity. I will experience him, him here in this life. But if I'm stuck, 
the first part of the answer is to repent. And then let's move on. The love of Christ. And then there's the love of Christ. Paul says this is a powerful motivating force. He says that in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. In fact, Paul says that such love compels him to live for Christ. It's not as though he feels he has any other choice. In Galatians 2.20. The only alternative, I should say here, to being transformed by God is to be conformed. And what are we conformed to? We're conformed to the world because that's the only other option. If we are not choosing to be transformed, we are allowing ourselves to be stuck, to be conformed to the world. And if we are not committed to God's eternal, then we are slaves to the world's transitory. We have the choice of eternal under God or just things that are transitory that will pass in the world. If we do not cling to what is real, which is what God reveals, then we settle for the enemy's cheap imitation. Did you ever have a, a, a toy as a child or your own children have a toy as a child and it looked great, but it was a cheap imitation? And in the early days, I remember toys coming from Japan. They were dangerous. <laughs> the wheels came off. You cut yourself on the edge of the, of the metal. There were many things, that, and it was toxic as well. <laughs> and the things of this world, my friends, are, are toxic. So let's leave them behind. Let's leave them behind. Are we going to settle for being fake Christians? Or are we going to open our hearts and minds to transformation. You see, we can do all the things that Christians do, but it's really fake news. <laughs> We're really just part of the culture. But God calls us to so much more than that. He does that because he is glorified in our transformation. But he also does that because it benefits us to be transformed. Transformation is a process. When we authentically give our lives to Jesus, we begin to experience the working of God in our lives, as it says in Colossians 2, 11 to 13. Even if we are long-standing Christians, as I've said, uh, if we authentically give our lives to Jesus again, then we will experience a fresh work of God in our lives. This is not just a closed system, but God wants us to grow. And in this space, we experience renewal by the Holy Spirit. Let's allow the Holy Spirit, who God sent as our guide and our protector through life for eternity, let's allow him to change things in our lives, to let us grow. As it says in Titus 3.5, we are then, as it says in Romans 6, 3 to 8, we are then able to walk in something called the newness of life. Not the oldness of life, 
but the newness of life. And looking at my own life, and you may feel the same, I'm really glad that there's newness of life because the oldness of life wasn't too good. It looked nice in the shop. It shone, but I cut myself on it. The wheels fell off. <laughs> Unless we allow our minds to be renewed, we will live superficial lives. Okay, let's look, look at the renewing of the mind. The process of transformation is really quite simple. It says this, and I'm thinking of uh, what it says in Colossians 3, 1 to 2, and also Romans 8, 5. It says, set your minds on things above and in tune with the Spirit in order to renew your mind. Meditate, contemplate on God and his word. Keep your mind in communion with God via prayer. Involve your mind in spiritual worship by getting together often with other Christians. Now, we, we don't always fit together quite as well as we would like, but we will learn things in the midst of that. And God will, thank, thank God, God will help us through that process. Involve your mind in spiritual worship by getting together. Do not neglect getting together, it says in the Bible. And with renewed minds, it becomes possible to put off the old, put on the new, Colossians 3, 2 and 3, 5 to 10, to put away sin and to live a life that is patterned on Jesus Christ. We can live according to the Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, 5 and 8, 13. So we talked before about Christians who don't seem to be making any progress, and sometimes that will be, be us, and we have the need to repent. What hinders many Christians? And the problem some people have is that they have failed to allow God to renew their minds. A mind that is on a starvation diet cannot be renewed easily. We need to feed on the Word, Regular Bible study. This is not hard. If the version of the Bible that you have seems too hard, get a simpler version. It's still the Word of God. You will still have revelation while you're doing that. And in the process, you will change. There was one woman who's a scientist, I forget the name at the moment, but she talked about the fact that as we read and continue reading, especially the Bible, our minds are changed. Now, I mean, that's obvious. obvious. We begin to think differently. But she talked about the fact that the brain actually rewires itself. It changes. As we read the Bible, we not only think differently, but we are different. Praise God for that, because I, I, I'm glad I moved away from where I was. A mind that has a junk food diet is unlikely to progress. It's just like the physical body. You know, if I eat at a takeaway all the time, well, I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to lose physical ability. I won't be able to walk that hill. <laughs> I may not have a partner because <laughs> I won't look attractive. Uh, all sorts of things come into play. But if we have a junk food mindset and we're feeding on that diet, if we're looking at trashy movies and novels perhaps, 
um, and even worse. Um, we're going to become what we can't focus on. And that may not be a very good thing if that is our focus. So let's focus on what God reveals of himself in the Bible. If we're focusing on the wrong things, we get the wrong results. There used to be a song years ago by a, a, a Christian rock band that talked about rubbish in and rubbish out. <laughs> you can tell how old I am. <laughs> and it was a computer term that they were actually calling on. If you put rubbish into a computer, that's what you're going to get out. And if it's true of a computer, it's doubly true for us. Let's keep an eye on what we feed ourselves. And if we allow ourselves to become stiff rather than flexible, we will break rather than grow in the process of change that God desires for us. So let's narrow this down. We have been called to be transformed into the image of Christ. At the front end, you and I all know that that looks terribly intimidating. But how do we do it? We take a step. And then we take another step. And then we take another step. And before long, we will change. And we'll look back and say to ourselves, I don't think I'm who I used to be. And God says, praise God. <laughs> Thank you. Hallelujah. We have all the motivation we actually need. I've just mentioned God's mercies to us and Jesus' love. We can start afresh by allowing God to wash us clean from our past. We have a past, but we can be washed clean of that. We can be healed of that. Yes, I know, it's a reality, it's there, it's history. We don't deny it, but we can be washed clean. And having been washed clean, and having been empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can move on. We can start afresh by allowing God to wash us clean of the past. We can allow our minds to be renewed by focusing on things above. And where will we find many of these things above? As you read the Bible. God wants to give us complete makeover. You've seen the shows on TV, you know, not only the houses, but the people. I mean, a remarkable difference. My goodness, I wouldn't have believed that that wreck of a house could possibly have been, become this, worth five times as much. God wants to give us a complete makeover. He has provided the means, which is Jesus and his death and resurrection, to remove the deformity caused by sin. He has provided the tools, the Bible, prayer, fellowship, and other believers to fashion this new person you and I are either in the process of becoming or can become if we have not started. And the final question is, are we letting God into all of our lives? And if not, let's repent and get back on track. Let's be open to and actively seek this transformation. It's not going to be something which will damage us ultimately because God, remember, is a good father. And a good father desires good things for his children. 
And this good God has good plans for you. And the question becomes, will you allow him to work these good plans in your life? I pray that you will. Lord, let's pray now. Lord, we repent now for not having allowed you total access in our lives. We may have been in a place where we thought that we had it all together, or at least enough to be good. But Lord, you want so much in our lives, and we invite you in to make that happen. We know now that you, that you can transform us. And wherever we are, whether we're saved or not saved, we can step into what God has. And if we've been saved a long time, there is still more transformation to go. And this will be a delightful thing. And God, we invite you in, take control of our lives. And we say that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen? Amen. Thank you.